like sometimes as a founder, you almost like don't know who to ask because mentors are men and a lot of the people in the industry are men. And so like, and, and as helpful and as wonderful as they are, like shout out to all of my male mentors. I'm like really, really grateful for them. But sometimes like some of those other insidi insidious things about like, well, people are trying to take advantage of me or I'm not sure how to negotiate this, like sort of from that position of sometimes people aren't taking you seriously. Hi everyone and welcome to our Twitter space. We will also be recording this for our podcasts and we are basically chatting to some of our most brilliant, energetic founders, women founders. So welcome everyone. It's it's Katie and I from the outlier side. We'll quickly introduce ourselves and then it would be great if you all can introduce yourselves in a few words. My name is Haya. I'm a program ma manager at Outlier Ventures and I've been here for a year and a half and I'm super passionate about supporting founders. Katie, do you want to go ahead and introduce yourself? Yeah, thanks Haya. Hi everyone. Really great to be here. I'm Katie. I'm a program associate at Outlier Ventures. Been here for around six months now and currently working on the Basecamp 9 team. I'm very passionate about all types of founders in Web3, so excited to be here today. So maybe we can get quick intros from, from, from our speakers today and just a, a few words that would be great. Alicia, would you like to kick it off? I'm Alicia Mall or at Biggie Malls. I am the co-founder and CEO of GivePact. We are a crypto fundraising platform for nonprofits. I've been doing this work for over a decade with President Obama, MSNBC, and the last seven years, Innocence Project. I'm excited to chat with all of you incredible founders. Amazing. Thank you, Alicia. And Kristen? Yes. Hello, guys. So a pleasure to be here. I am Kristen with TalentLayer, one of the co-founders and the executive lead. So we are building infrastructure for labor markets that solves the biggest problem that faces hires and workers and platforms, which is fragmented liquidity. Because we all have to use you know dozens and dozens of platforms in order to hire the right people. And the only reason for that is none of these platforms talk to each other. So we're building infrastructure that allows them to talk to each other. And I am based in Lisbon right now. Cool. Thank you for that, Kristen. Yasmin. Hi, everyone. A uh, pleasure to be here as well and in the company of such amazing women. I'm Yasmin Kofia, CEO and co-founder of Sociate AI. I'm a serial AI entrepreneur and with Associate, I have created the world's first AI personal stylist that can see and speak so that in the future, we will never have to click and scroll to find the things that we love online ever again. And we are turning her into a fully interactive digital human for the metaverse. Thank you, Yasmin. And last but not least, Kayla. Hi, everyone. Thrilled to be here. My name is Kayla Krut. I am the creative director and co-founder of Koi Network. We are a fully decentralized peer-to-peer -peer compute marketplace that leverages people's personal devices around the world. So that's, you know, a PC computer, a laptop, anything like that, that will help people sort of use that, that compute layer in a truly decentralized way. You know, a lot of people use AWS for like hosting websites and stuff like that. We're trying to get rid of that. Thank you so much for that intro, Kayla. Yeah, I'll, I'll ask the first question here and, and would love for, for to direct it to you, Kayla, actually. In your experience, what unique strengths do women bring to the table as founders in Web3? I know that you've been in the OV ecosystem for probably some of the longest time out of some of our founders. So we'd love to get your unique perspective on that question. 
women have a lot of unique strengths that are often overlooked. I think some of that, you know, we all are aware I'm, you know, the creative director. I come from the design side of the world. You know, people generally think if you meet somebody in tech, oh, they're probably a designer or, you know, a project manager and probably not a developer. And I think part of the reason for that is that women are socialized you know, to have more empathy, to think about others before themselves. So that, that lends really well to things like UX, which is where my background is. But I also think, you know, there's a lot of skills and just like having that alternative perspective and whether that's being a woman or being a person of color or being a person with a disability or, you know, any of these sort of minority groups, having, having that experience of like not being the same as every other person in the room really gives you a lot to contribute in that you see things that other people miss being able to like be the person who like has the details and is like mm, i don't think that logo is good like maybe you didn't see something that i saw because you aren't thinking about that thing you know happens a lot in this space and just being able to participate in that way showing the things that like we think about and we understand is really valuable yeah, absolutely. You speak a lot of truth there. And, and I think, you know, we at Outlier and they feel that responsibility that we're building the next iteration of the internet, the next iteration of spaces where people will connect in digital realms. And there's a huge responsibility there to make sure that all voices are heard and all people from all different backgrounds are included in that conversation. Haya, did we want to move to the next question? So, yeah, definitely kind of agree on that there. And similarly, actually, at, at, at Outlier, I really do feel that us having a more diverse team, especially when it comes, for example, to decision making, when it comes to our investment committees or something, helps strengthen our product. And I was wondering, Alicia, in your perspective, impact do you think does like diverse leadership and decision making teams have on the development and success of Web3 projects? Yeah, and I think I can answer both that and the previous question by saying that women are now one in three crypto holders. Soon will be 50%. Latinos and Black folks in the US make up a significant amount of crypto holders. So already we are owners of crypto. And so naturally, we should represent the leadership, the founders, the investors. We know that's not true when we go to these mainstream events. They're, you know, largely male, white, maybe Asian in some cases, but mostly white or, or European. So we still aren't properly represented as shareholders, as shareholders of, of the currency. So of course, I would say that we should represent the people who are investing and also the people who are building. I think the most interesting projects, as I say, are the ones next door to the mainstream events, the community projects that are helping women hackers, that are helping Latinos on board, that are creating equitable markets for Black folks. Those are the exciting cultural communities that I'm, you know, I'm a part of and, and I follow. So it's absolutely essential and fundamental to a good brand, a good business, and a good community. Yeah, absolutely. I always think it's one of the ironies of Web3, actually, is that we talk so much about accessibility and inclusivity, and the technology opens this whole door of opportunities. But in fact, what we're seeing is that in practice, that's that's not always the case. And the representation that, that should be there is not is not really there, especially when it comes to, to like you said, those mainstream events and the mainstream crypto world. And, and we all have a role in play playing there, men, women, everyone, <laughs> to make it and accept more people and to include more people. Maybe this is a good segue into the next question, actually. And for this one, I would love to direct it 
to Yasmin and Kristen. So Yasmin, first of all, maybe. I think, you know, what your product you're building obviously is driven by AI. And we all know that there are some issues with biases in AI algorithms, for example. So with that in mind, I would love to know from your perspective, how can we ensure that Web3 technologies are designed with a focus on accessibility and inclusivity, particularly for groups that you know may face additional barriers to participate in those? No, absolutely. And just quickly going back to what you were discussing there, what Alicia was saying and what you touched upon, Katie, I just wanted to add, it was like kind of so interesting, actually, that the statistics that Alicia provided there and yet mainstream events and at the top, it's not diverse. And you would expect that if that's the case that the mainstream and the top isn't diverse that lower down it wouldn't be either in terms of the communities that are embracing crypto so it'd be really interesting actually from kind of a personal perspective not being completely embroiled in the web three world because as you all know i'm kind of more on the ai side coming into web three like kind of how that has happened and what is it and that's actually for me one of the most exciting parts around web three at the community level it is so inclusive that there are these communities forming that people are embracing this technology and yet at the top there is this diversity problem so yeah i just wanted to kind of just touch on that that's a really interesting thing from my perspective to hear because you imagine that how things look at the top is what is going to filter down into the actual community of users as well. Just going back to the question, Katie, you asked about biases and and AI. As we all know, AI is based on training data. And so to ensure that we address biases, we have to make sure that the data that the AI is learning from and that we are feeding comes from diverse sources because very, very quickly, what we see is that there are feedback loops in AI and AI training. And so it iterates and it iterates unless that data source isn't diversifying. And so it is, I think, kind of the responsibility of everybody in AI to uh, that they are looking at the weightings, they are looking at where the data is coming from, making sure that th- there are those different sources and also asking questions around the trends and the the patterns that they are seeing. So it's not just about what's going in, but what's coming out. It's very easy, I think, sometimes to think, oh, well, you know, it's the AI said it and the AI is fair and AI is, you know, just computing what's there to come up with an objective answer. But if there are these trends and these analytics coming through, it's very, very important. You evaluate those as well. And you do interrogate further past, you know, not just is this, the right result given the data is in there, given the data, but where is that data coming from? And are there gaps that we need to address there? Or is there some sort of correction that needs to happen? Yeah, that's that's so interesting. Thanks for your input there, Yasmin. And I, I know obviously AI is an extremely hot topic at the moment, not just within itself, but also within the Web3 world. And, and I know that Outlier will be using more thought leadership in that area as well. So so stay tuned for that, because I think there's going to be some really interesting conversations around how Web3 can be the trust layer for AI. But moving on to, to Kristen, I'd, I'd love to hear from your perspective 
you know, in the recruitment and hiring point of view in Web3, what would be your perspective on this question? I would say the coolest thing that I see about just blockchain technology in general that can make like just really the tech we build for any industry more accessible is composability. Why is that though? It's because if you have a bunch of like low level infrastructure that's making it easier to build consumer facing technology, then that means we can have more consumer facing technology. And if we have more consumer facing technology, then that means we have more of an ability for entrepreneurs to create niche technology and more niche technology means technology that better serves all of the, you know, amazing sub demographics we have in the world. And particularly within the hiring space, you know, one thing that has been a trend over the past few decades has been um, just like an increase in flexible work. So this is like, you know, the dawn of freelance platforms and gig work and stuff like that. And this type of work globally is, I don't know the specific stats on it, but it is very, it's very even, if not a little bit more heavy towards women, because oftentimes women want, you know, the flexibility to do things like, you know, manage a family and work when they want and stuff like that. So like, just, just the fact that over the past few decades, we've had, you know, technological innovations that have enabled a bunch more freelance marketplaces and this alternative sort of work to be accessible to anyone globally, like that's been huge. And we're just going to really like continue to do this by continuing to lower the barrier to entry to creating this technology in the first place. And that's one thing that we really are trying to do at Talent Layer because we have like all of this amazing backend technology that lets you build work platforms, whether it's freelance marketplaces or decentralized Ubers or really any anything of that nature. So you can have entrepreneurs that create these sorts of things for specific niche sub-demographics. And that's just really cool. And that's what I want to see more of. Yeah, that's so interesting. And, you know, a lot of what we're building starts at that hiring level and that accessibility level, doesn't it? So great to hear your input there as well. I think I would love to invite Alicia or Kayla back in if, if you have any inputs here on, you know, what Web3 technologies are designed with a focus, you know, how, how they can be designed with a focus on accessibility and inclusivity. If, if you have any pointers here, would love to invite you back in. The whole idea of this space of Web3, right, is to make information, banking, you know, all of these things more accessible to more people. And I think like we are like sort of removing that intermediary, putting a technology in so you don't have to like have a good credit score and stuff like that, which a lot of these like strict rules like end up, you know, restricting women, I think in the long, you know, like historically anyway, in terms of like in the US, women couldn't have their own bank accounts until what, the 70s. And so bringing access both to people who are historically underserved, but also in spaces where maybe the tech, the the internet or the infrastructure isn't as accessible is really important. And part of the reason, like the whole, the very first like mission of Coin Network was equitable access to information, giving everybody the tools that they need to know what's happening in the world, to know what's happening in their communities, to have the ability to educate themselves if they don't have access to more formal institutions, things like that, just so that we can become more independent, have access to those you know skill sets that we can grow, which means we can become financially independent et cetera, et cetera. And I think that helps level the playing field in some ways where previously haven't had access and now can sort of make their way for themselves if they need to. 
And I think that's a really important goal that Web3 has like as an industry. Yeah, I, I think you bring up some really good points, Kayla. And I think that's something that we have to remind ourselves, first of all, that, that at the end of the day, that's that's the real mission is improving accessibility. And to Kristen's point earlier, accessibility comes in so many levels. So first of all, like, how can we, for example, empower, you know, people in terms of, you know, increased financial access? What are the tools that we can, you know, as you said, Web3 gives gives people the tools to do that without the traditional institutions, which have historically been biased. Similarly to Kristen's point earlier, I think historically a lot of the like creator tools or developer tools have, you know, or, or STEM spaces have excluded women. So how do we bring in more women builders who are building those solutions as well? And I think, yeah, it goes across all of these layers is like, how do we make it easier to enter into Web3? And how do we like reclaim it from kind of maybe sometimes the direction where it goes, where it's, you know, all of this finance, finance, like crypto bro speak sort of, that, that feels quite exclusionary at times. I just really want to kind of jump in here. Apologies, because I'm like kind of dabbling in Web3, moving into Web3, kind of seeing the potential, but and I'm smart, like I don't mind saying I am smart, but the language of Web3 I sometimes find is exclusionary. There's so many different terms that just don't need, they. so I, you understand you're entering a community, but it does feel like a different language. There are words for things that are just kind of can be described in normie speak. And if we are trying to get more people to come in, then that mystery around Web, I think, needs to be looked at, going back to what you were saying, Haya, about crypto bros and Web3 having that image problem. People think Web3 is crypto and crypto is Web3. And that's, you know, there's obviously a very strong link there, but that's not the case. So I think kind of not just from a female perspective, but as somebody that wants to be more involved and navigate this space with, you know, the super cool AI, generative AI work that we are doing. Yeah, you're moving in circles that like to talk in a certain way and they don't need to. And it needs to be understandable and easily translatable to the wider world. And especially, you know, women that have a lot to add that don't necessarily come from these worlds or it's not natural for them to speak in that language. I think you're totally right. And I also think there's something in Web3 about kind of like wanting to show off that you're in the know. Being in the know and like proving that to other people is sort of inherently exclusionary. Something I'm working on right now is actually like an article about the words that we use. I mean, NFT is a big one that I hate, but just that the words that we use are A, horrible and B, like, as you said, can be like, we can use regular people words and we don't have to use the words that we're currently using. So I'm 100% in agreement with you there. And just like creating a space where it's easier to get involved is super, super valuable and important. Amazing. Alicia, I see your hand hands up and I would love to hear your perspective as well. Yeah. So in, in response to Yasmin, and, and, you know, I would say that that is why it's a lot of the communities that we mentioned that we like, Web3 Familia, our job now as leaders in the space is to educate, is to remove from the jargon and onboard people the way we were onboarded by the most supportive communities. So I think anyone in this space right now, Fundamentally, we have to 
create accessibility in how we speak and represent ourselves. That's just where the industry is. In addition, you know, you talked about how, how can we make this more accessible? It's through language, it's through product, it's creating stuff. I mean, just if you look at the Give Pact website, our designer made it a point to make it make us feel warm and relatable to everyone else, even if it means it looks nothing like the current Web3 industry. And then my last point is to say, you know, back to the original question of why, why women are the best is because we are organizers and natural born leaders. You all talked about empathy. And so in this time of like trying to figure this space out, we're coming together to make this a space that is accessible for one another. We're creating the the tools and language to access it. And and so that's why I think we are we are fundamental to making this make sense for everyone else and always working behind the scenes to make anything happen in any industry. But it's great to see us, you know, taking a lead. I put some stats in a tweet. There's a great article that came out yesterday in Coindesk that talks about, you know, we're getting shut out of Web3. We only represent 13% of female startups, of female founders, but we're building anyway. So check that out. There's some good information there. Yeah, thanks, Alicia. That's amazing. And I think, oh, Kristen, I would love to hear your perspective as well. Yes, I was just thinking a little bit about female founders since you mentioned that. And one thing that I think that we need to do better just as like, you know, founders supporting each other is helping each other figure out negotiation. Because one thing that has been a consistent and literally every female founder that I've ever met, ever been friends with in this space is at least once they've gotten like screwed on equity or token allocations, even if they were doing like a lot more work or were a lot more integral to the project than their co-founders. And, you know, that that's something that we, I don't know, like it, I feel like it doesn't get talked about as much because a lot of times when I'm talking to my friends about this, it's like, well, they, they just didn't really know any better. And I mean, you really have to experience that once or have someone explain to you like, hey, you don't want to do this. This is what to watch out for. And I think that we need to do a better job of like, you know, sharing our experiences with with each other, especially like new founders, first time founders to make sure that everyone's starting on equal footing because just in general, like women are less apt to like, you know, negotiate hard for themselves or even like think much about it. Like oftentimes like we just want to build, we just want to create awesome tools that impact people. And like, while that is super powerful, like we also have to make sure that we're creating a fair situation for ourselves. A hundred percent. There is all of these, you know, concepts around invisible labor and, and, and areas where, you know, women are picking up the slack. I would maybe go as far as to call out, you know, a few of our, you know, let's say like other males maybe that we've worked with or something is that very often diversity, equity and inclusion initiatives in companies are led by women and minorities themselves. And I think that's an area where a lot of people can kind of step up and say, hey, look, like this is, you know, you're doing a lot of work here, for example, to redesign hiring, even though hiring is not your job. Let me help you redesign it. You know, you don't have to be a minority to be able to redesign hiring or to make sure that you're, you know, interviewing enough diverse candidates. At the same time, you know, to your point, Kristen, it's like, 
if we're doing this work, we, we should be expected to be compensated and rewarded for it and not only, you know, applauded. And, and it's a it's an awkward thing to sometimes ask for and, and think of because because of, I think, you know, yeah, the, the empathy and then the like community mindedness that often rises. Absolutely. To everything that you said, I'm specifically thinking about like founders though. And founders are in weird situations because we're like at the top of the food chain. Right. So if we're not looking out for ourselves and if we're not like negotiating hard for ourselves, there's no one that can really like, you know, have a helping hand down and, 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 and help us figure that out. Like, unless we're getting, you know, proper mentorship and stuff like that. So, yeah, I just, I think it's super important. So everyone out there, please like, let's go get with your worth point. That's a great point. And I'm sorry to pivot to just congratulate Kristen and the talent layers for winning the ETH pitch competition a few days ago. You must be feeling amazing. I <laughs> yeah, saw yeah. that and I'm just pumped for you. I want to hang out with you at Consensus. I want to talk to you. Anything, you know, to, to be supportive. I've done, you know, I pitch all the fucking time and so proud to have you in the outlier community and see you win at ETH Denver. I just wanted to shout you out and uh, that's fucking awesome. Really appreciate it. Thank you. I'm absolutely loving this like cross conversation between everyone here. So please just want to encourage everyone to keep chipping in if you have anything to contribute. I was just thinking maybe we can move on to maybe another question about a more positive space. Like what do we think are some emerging trends in the Web3 industry that present opportunities for women-led innovation and entrepreneurship and maybe just thinking off the top of my head here is is there some way where there can be the role of mentors in some of the you know the programs that we run at outlier ventures and other programs that, that are out there can mentors be useful in this respect we'd love to to get some opinions from, yeah, from you and i'll add to katie is that in our role as like you know primarily whether it's me Katie or or the majority of the OV team, our primary role is to support founders. And it would be so insightful to us and I'm sure to other investors who are listening to just hear from your perspective as founders, where do you think we can support the most or mentors? So yeah, it would be great to hear from you. Kayla, I see your hand up. Yeah. So I think a little bit back to Kirsten's point is that like sometimes as a founder, you almost like don't know who to ask because a lot of your mentors are men and a lot of the people in the industry are men. And so like sometimes, and, and as helpful and as wonderful as they are, like shout out to all of my male mentors. I'm like really, really grateful for them. But sometimes like some of those other insidious things about like, well, people are trying to take advantage of me or I'm not sure how to negotiate this, like sort of from that position of sometimes people aren't taking you seriously. Having having female mentors and having, as Kirsten said, like other founders, other female founders we can talk to and be like, oh, like this is the thing to watch out for, I think is so, so important. Go on, Yasmin. Sorry, I, I, I thought I, I cut out somehow. The other thing that I think would make such a difference is if OV or a similar organization could run something like a Web3 Academy that normal, normie, Web2 entrepreneurs who have, have been very, very successful in that can apply to and be sort of inducted basically into the world of web three, understand the concepts. And so they can bring their expertise and their knowledge and know-how around business and entrepreneurship and and apply that to web three in a little bit more of a structured and more kind of welcome 
environment where they're not worried about not knowing things. They're not worried about admitting that they don't know how anything works. Because when you kind of step into this world and everybody seems to know everything and actually the truth is that nobody knows everything but people are styling it out and as we touched upon earlier you know the culture is a little bit about showing off about what you know and making it feel quite exclusionary it can be quite daunting and so if there was almost kind of a what would you call it like a feeder stream into web3 of web2 curious and creating that environment where then they can bring what they know, their expertise, their skills, their insights, all of that, and then feel much more comfortable to be able to build in Web3 and, you know, get get their ideation going as well. Yeah, yeah Yasmin, this is fascinating because I, I think you'll be pleasantly surprised in the coming days to see that actually we have been thinking about something similar to what you've just described. And I think you'll be excited to know in a few days' time there might be something to stay tuned for. So thanks a lot for that. Great work. Alicia, I see your hand up. Yeah, I think it it comes down to an economic opportunity here. Number one, we're still in an economy where women make 83 cents on the dollar to men. It's worse if you're Black. It's worse if you're Latina. So simply, we are not getting paid for the same amount of work still. Then in VC, me as a black woman, I get 1% of VC dollars. So number one, I love Outlier and I pumped it second to my company at East Denver. I love Francesca, I love Hanan. They are extraordinary and I love this program and I encourage everyone to apply. At the end of the day, statistically, the chances of of fulfilling up my round just based on my race are 1%. So when it comes down to it, it's economic access. You know, it doesn't matter how, you know, how incredible our idea is, how incredible my co-founder is, who's on this right now, Rice and Beats, that we went to Ivy League schools, that we have an incredible, you know, background. We're still at a disadvantage. So at the end of the day, we got to close the business. We have to have the same access to funds that everyone else and if outlier can show that they are funding and putting dollars in women-led businesses they're going to come out as a leader they're going to strengthen themselves as a leader in this space so put your money where your mouth is and fund us and stop the bullshit a hundred percent i agree a hundred percent and i think that's something that i invite kind of all investors listening in to like really ask ask themselves like what are tangible steps we can take to start investing more and and what can we do beyond just kind of talking and be investing to move the needle in terms of actually funding and where does the money move and at the end of the day as you said that's the biggest descriptor and i would i would also shout out my colleague hanan who you mentioned because she really took that to heart and went you know above and beyond actively reaching out to women and minority founders to like you know during this this past recruiting season and and has really kind of impacted the numbers in terms of i mean obviously we can always do a lot better but you know she really pushed pushed it forward for us to really improve the numbers in, in, in terms of who we're investing in and as you said alicia putting our money where our mouth is yeah and i i think maybe just touching back on alicia some of the points you were making there around you know how look the data is obvious that the odds aren't a are often against women when when pitching when when speaking with investors i would love to hear some opinions from some of the other founders on you know what's the best way to 
move forward in a situation like that when the odds are against you and and what what can we do as individuals to improve that i mean obviously it's an institutional issue that needs to be addressed at the higher level but what can we do to support one another and ensure that we're you know coming across in the best way and give ourselves the best chance I have to go against this current it's pushing and you know of course we're all doing our part to make sure that that current ends up flowing in a more equitable way but for the short term we're going to have to deal with it so we all just have to make sure that we're being very persistent and especially when it comes to raising funds like you just have to go at it and go out and go out and go at it so just making sure that we don't get discouraged uh, is important so having like a good support network of other people to just like you know pump you up tell you yeah keep going you got this like giving intros all that's super useful I think it's really important. And one thing that, you know, Give Pact has done is is really practice, practice, practice the pitching. You know, Steve, my co-founder, Ben, my CTO, and even the, the guys building the product, I have them just rip me and just, question, you know, ask me questions so that any high-level tech question, any market question, I'm going to be ready for. So, you know, the training... Um, I did this for the consensus pitch and all we did it last week to prepare for super moon at, at East Denver is just that I am sharp so that there's no, like just defense. Like I am just gotta be a hundred percent on every question. And if I feel soft, I go to my team and I say, this is being a strong presenter, having great confidence in, in my body language and my approach, I think, as you guys know, marketing is everything and how you look on the exterior, it will, will go a long way. So build that fortress, build that strength. Don't let any, you know, I think the best advice I got yesterday from my best friend, Max, was like, don't listen to what anybody has to say. You get these no's on Women's History Month bringing us down. You get us tell me no on some bullshit VC stuff. Screw you, move on to the next person. And, and keep riding with the support, people who believe in you so you can stay above above water. Yeah, absolutely. And I think there's also an element of us rewriting what the hus- hustle looks like because the way it, it looks like now traditionally is very like pushy, assertive, aggressive, and maybe puts us in a disadvantage in itself. And actually, Yasmin has been an inspiration to me. Seeing you, Yasmin, you know, build your business development pipeline and build your, you know, investor network has really been inspiring to me because you've used very traditional feminine traits to do that, you know, by being personable, by being relatable, by forming connections and genuine connections, you know, you've done it really well. So, yeah, I just wanted to, to leave that in there. Oh, well, th- thank you so much for saying that, Haya. It's really funny that you say that. And I cringe a little bit because I suppose I don't give myself credit for that. People say I'm great at networking. And obviously, like kind of I am because like look at the contacts I'm building, look at the traction I get, look at the clients that are interested. But It is very, very strange. And I don't know if this says something about us still that I don't see that an outstanding thing, if that makes sense, that I'm always still thrilled. And you know, I am that like somebody wants to talk to me. I'm always very excited that I've got a follow up or somebody is interested. And it is really, really strange, but kind of, I always think that, and I've said this before, that I am just genuinely just interested 
in people. And as you, you called it a feminine trait, and I think kind of maybe it is because I am just really interested in everybody I meet, trying to get to know what makes them tick uh, and their stories. Yeah, yeah. And, and connecting at that level. Really well, and and I meet people. So, and I always genuinely try to find something I can like about everyone. So, and this is, I think, where the authenticity element kind of really comes in as well. And I think kind of people and women are much kind of, I think, comfortable with when they meet somebody and they are impressed by them, rather than kind of trying to be cool and style it out. Yeah, no, hundred percent. Kayla, I see your hand up. Yeah, I just wanted to say that, A, I think that that's amazing that like, you know, always like being interested in the conversation that you're in and finding something to like admire about somebody is a, a, a really wonderful trait. And also like you talked a little bit about it's a little bit of a feminine trait. And I think at least in my experience in Web3, you know, I just came back from East Denver. Um, most of the men that I talk to want to talk about themselves, which like if you are someone who wants to listen is great, but also like they, they often don't care what you have to say. And it's, it's kind of like a battle and, and who, who can like get in, Oh, like get in edgewise almost. And so that sort of approach, the listening, this, like, how do we connect? I think is a beautiful and be like, just a really strong position because then people do want to be around you and people do want to like, you make them feel good. Right. When, when you find something to like about them. Yeah, absolutely. And I think like we shouldn't shy away from leaning into that side of things, even though it doesn't look like, you know, the traditional, I am amazing. And this is incredible kind of a hustle and pitch. And actually like all of this, especially around kind of pitching leads me to like, you know, think of the future and a world where, you know, Web3 becomes more mainstream is like, I wonder how decentralized identities and our ability to pick and choose what we share about ourselves will shape us being able to control certain biases. You know, for example, if you're raising from a DAO and you're able to prove your reputation and and your background without revealing that you are also, uh, you know, a, a woman and like, you know, will this also lead to more equitable funding? Yeah, it, it makes me always wonder. <laughs> Such an interesting point, Hire. And, you know, I, I think having previously worked with a company building avatars for the metaverse, I think this, this is a point that I'm particularly interested in, you know, how how we express ourselves and the responsibility that we have in this new digital realm to ensure that identity is, is, is presented in the right way, I guess. And I think the metaverse... Web3 presents so many opportunities there, but we have an, a, a responsibility to make sure that, that we, we, we do it in the right way. Maybe we can move on to maybe a wrap-up question for, for each of our guests, because we're coming to sort of the last 10, 15 minutes, minutes of the session now. I would love to know, you know we, we've spoken a little bit about you know application processes, speaking with investors. I'd love to know one, if you had one piece of advice to a woman or a non-binary founder, what would it be in terms of applying to outlier ventures, but pitching to investors in any scenario? What would it what would it be? Practice, practice, practice your pitch. 
So you can do it backwards and forwards. And when you give the presentation, you're singing to team. Team is everything to me. It always has been. I'm only one person. You know, I, I have, I love my co-founder. He's my dream co-founder. And who we hire and who we put around us is going to determine the success of the product. And then just make sure you back to practicing that you're like, you have people grill you and ask you questions so that you know, make sure you know what the tough questions are and are ready to answer them and that you feel overprepared when you're delivering. And then in terms of building a, a, fundra- a VC pipeline or a fundraiser pipeline, start with who you know. Friends and family, angels, scour, you know, make sure you get intros to people through your LinkedIn, use your network. And sometimes people don't think, put a list, make a list. Because if you don't write it down, you don't think about, oh, actually, this person might be good. And just start small and that'll build. You'll get more intros and more intros. So that's my advice. I hope it's helpful. Please reach out, you know, if I can be helpful. Thank you so much, Alicia. Kristen, do you want to give your perspective next? Sure. So this is somewhat related to everything that Alicia said, but in general, just be confident, like, and know what makes you confident, right? Some people need a lot of preparation. Some people need to do pep talks in the mirror, like, or have people coach them on, on stuff and and get them hyped up. And you just figure out like whatever you need to do to get into that good headspace, because, you know, even if you are super, super prepared. If you're not confident, it won't matter. You just gotta project that confidence at all times because you know 90% of communication is just you know, body language and stuff like that. And if you're not confident, even if you deliver a pitch really well, you know, unfortunately it's pretty tough to close that. 100% agree there. I think in my previous role, I, I used to do these power stances before speaking in public. You Love know, that. Like, literally like putting my arms and legs as far apart as I can and telling myself I'm the best. But so like Can I advice. just add one thing? In, like Because we're, a lot of this stuff is on Zoom, if you, ha- if you can make yourself stand up for the most important conversations, that's going to help your delivery. So try to stand up when you're Zooming to investors so you can really be performative. That's really great advice, Alicia. Kayla, do you want to go next? Sure. I mean, I'd love to echo everything that's already been said, you know, practice, confidence, all of that, but also perseverance, like just keep going. You're going to get a lot of no's. You're going to get a lot of people who don't take you serious. So accept that and then understand that those people are idiots. And if they're not interested in you, you're not interested in them and just go find the person who is interested in you. So I think Alicia said, you know, make a list make that list, start there, accept that you're going to, you know, people aren't going to want to work with you or people aren't going to take you seriously or whatever it is and put, push through that and find, find your people. Yeah. hundred percent. You guys are just really speaking so much truth here and it's so valuable for, for people to hear. So thank you so much for sharing. Yasmin. Last but not least, would you like to give a piece of advice? Yeah, absolutely. Like I can only echo what these women have already said about the importance of the people that you surround yourself, like finding your people and finding your allies because like money will only ever get you so far. And when you don't have money, it's those people that will keep you moving. So even in kind of the context of fundraising, absolutely, we need money. We need the capital to move as fast as we want. But we know how hard it is to get that money and why, you know, and as women that it's even harder. 
And so make sure that you are surrounding yourself, your team, you're working with your mentors, advisors, that you can trust them, that they can help you and pick you up to the second point that we just discussed about keeping going. Because you do absolutely need to keep on going. You need that resilience. Um, and if you've got people with you that you can lean on that will hold you up and keep you going, then something will happen. And I really believe this, so that it is a matter of time. If you're putting in the hard work and you're doing the right things and you just carry on because you've got that vision, something good will eventually happen and it will all start coming together and somebody with money will see it. So for me, it's the people and they are important to keeping you going. Thank you so much, Yasmin. Excellent to hear your perspective. Haya, I think it's your turn now to kind of wrap up and yeah. thank everyone. I mean, yeah, th thank you so much for, for sharing that. And I think there's a lot there that like, at least for us, you know, as we support founders is just a good reminder. And I hope, you know, we can always be the people that help you kind of keep pushing through and be resilient and the people who believe in you, you know, regardless, because sometimes, you know, you can respond to a challenge, but sometimes you just need people to believe, validate and support. And I hope we can be those people for you and for our founder community. So thank you everyone for, for joining and for your insights. This has been great. Yeah, it's been it's been such a pleasure from my side to hear your perspectives as well and echo everything Haya said. It's 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 helping us to understand better and, and here to support wherever we can. Thanks everyone for like just having us. Thank you. Bye. Bye everyone. Thanks. Thank you all. Thank, thank, thank you so much everyone. Here. Thanks for having us. Thank, thank you so you. much. Bye bye. Bye. Bye everyone. If you enjoyed today's podcast, please make sure you subscribe, rate, and share your feedback to help us reach as many people as possible with the important mission of Web3.